This is where Montana talks. You're listening to Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. This is a great example of why the word equity is no longer a six-letter word and why the word equity is a four-letter word and should be treated as such. Uh, Did you know that Montana State University has an office called the Office of Institutional Equity? The Office of Institutional Equity. What a sham. What a waste of money. Not only a waste of money, but apparently this whole Office of Institutional Equity is being abused to trample on the constitutional rights of students on that same college campus. Uh, now, the Daily Montanan is basically a liberal blog. Uh, it's it's basically a a um, a mouthpiece uh, for the radical left. But one of one of their reporters uh, does a good job. Kayla Spaler, I remember when she was with the Missoula Independent. Uh, you know, her politics are probably definitely more more left than you and I. But but she does a good job. She's she's t- trying to do real reporting here. She has this story with this headline: Montana State University student settles free speech lawsuit against campus. The plaintiff alleged that violations over the sorority's insistence on preferred pronouns. So you know the, the college campuses really try to exercise control over these uh, fraternities and sororities. Now, I wasn't in a fraternity. I guess today I could be in a sorority because, well, that's what's going on in today's day and age. But uh, but yeah, they really the campuses really try to exercise control over these uh, fraternities and sororities. So basically, what you had you had this young lady on the Montana State University campus who was basically being harassed by an LGBTQ student, and then she was being harassed about using the preferred pronouns. So she was being harassed and intimidated by this LGBTQ student, and then. She was separately also being harassed uh, by the campus and by the sorority that you better use the right pronouns. Well, this is clearly a violation of our First Amendment. This is against the Constitution. Federal courts have already ruled that not only can you not force kids to have to play the pronoun game and force them into this nonsense if he really identifies as a she, etc., they can't even force their own you know, college employees or their own elementary school teachers to have to play the pronoun game either. They can't force compelled speech upon you. They can't force you to say something that goes against your deeply held beliefs, especially if they're deeply held religious beliefs. But that's exactly what the Montana State University Office of Institutional Equity tried to do. So now they've lost once again. Now they were forced to settle once again. And this begs the broader question. If they keep losing on these constitutional rights issues, why is this Office of Institutional Equity even still around? It should be disbanded time now. Well, we're going to talk about that on tomorrow's Montana Talks. That young lady and her lawyer uh, will join us. For matters in Idaho, visit CordellCordell.com. 101 South Capitol Boulevard, Suite 500, Boise, Idaho, 83702. Joseph Cordell, licensed in Missouri and Illinois only. 
talking about the issues that matter to Montana. Statewide, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, I see we got Kent in Bozeman on the phone lines, wants to talk about Tucker Carlson and the uh, and the big news that Tucker Carlson has been sharing this week. Kent, if you can, Kent, call back around 940. Uh, that's when we'll get to the open phones portion of the show where, where we'll open up the phone lines to anything and everything you want to talk about here on this show. But here in this first half of the show today and every Thursday during Montana's legislative session, we get the opportunity to catch up with Speaker of the House Matt Regeer. Now, we do have the phone lines open. If you, you want to you know ask a question or give a quick comment about the news out of the Montana State Legislature, Hey, give us a ring, 294-0970. But in the meantime, we'll, yeah, we'll get to our weekly update here uh, from the speaker. Speaker Regeer, great to have you back on the show this week. Uh, I know they said you guys were on like a, a week-long transmittal break, but it hasn't even been a full week, and you guys are at least already back in committee action, as I understand it. Yeah, well, the House is back. Uh, the House is the hardest-working uh, branch of the legislative <laughs> government, of course, right? Those because senators. Gotta... Those senators are still no, being house... served tea right now, right, in their pajamas <laughs> while you guys are back at work. <laughs> That's right. Your hard-working House. No, the Appropriations Committee is back, and we're starting to put together the uh, House Bill 2, which is the entire budget for the uh, state of Montana. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I was uh, chatting with uh, Representative Jerry Schillinger out of Circle earlier this week. He had called in and said, that's going to be the big one here for the second half of the legislature. Yeah, yeah. Montana, just like all the other states in the nation here, are, uh, got quite a bit of cash with the inflation and all the COVID dollars. Printing press there from Washington, D.C. has made states uh, have a lot of surplus, and there's going to be a lot of big decisions made with that and uh, and ongoing, too. And this is my concern, not concern, but um, it's kind of a red flag of uh, we're going to be fine here this next two years, but it's going to be four years out and six years out. Where do we put Montana? Right now there's uh, some legislators with uh, pretty big eyes at the buffet table, and uh, if we load up our plate too much, we're, we're not going to be able to afford it ongoing. So we need to be very careful that we don't uh, – uh, uh, outspend ourselves in the future. Yeah, that would seem to me the 30,000-foot level or, or maybe the 50,000, 60,000-spy uh, balloon-foot level view here is, okay, there's a lot of money. Did I hear right that we're looking at potentially a three-plus billion-dollar surplus uh, in the months ahead that, that could flow in uh, into the, the coffers in, in Helena. And and how much of that is uh, short-term economic surplus? How much of it is from the federal funds that came in? But what we can't do is prop up long-term budgets based off of short-term cash. So that's why I think these, these one, one-time rebates are good. And the tax relief is good because that will stimulate the economy moving forward. But what we can't do is, is bake these one-time funds into long-term budgets, uh, and, and then we're going to be facing a fiscal train wreck, kind of like what the feds have gotten into. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, yeah, I said it exactly well there. We can't take short-term money and do long-term programs. That's that's mathematically not going to work. And we all understand that. It's just a matter of being able to see that far in the future. Legislators are kind of notorious for that right here and right now. And uh, uh, But I, I think this group, we've been preaching it a bunch. There's, there's a lot of legislators that understand that and it kind of talk some other legislators off the ledge of uh, we, we can't be spending even you know, the $20 million idea here and a $15 million idea here, but that all adds up uh, into the future. 
Yeah. I know last week when we caught up with you, it was just as the house was looking to wrap up for the transmittal break, just looking up to wrap up the first half of the legislative session. Now that lawmakers have had a few days to at least catch their breath, maybe get home, uh, take a little break. Uh, what what have you been hearing uh, or what have you been thinking yourself? What have you been hearing from other lawmakers in terms of, OK, this is what we did well in the first half. This is what we got to do in the second half. Yeah, I think uh, I think legislators, first off, overall, were I mean, it was a fast 45 days. It was uh, we did a lot of work. There's the governor's red tape, which was over 160 bills that really cleaned up code and cleaned up some uh, boards that hadn't met in in two years we had a what a hearing aid dispensary board is one of them i heard it's like what <laughs> what we don't they hadn't met in years and so they really cleaned up a lot of that but that took a lot of work so legislators are uh, i think we're very excited to get uh, three or four days off here and uh, go home and um uh and uh, everybody get a haircut and, and get that suit uh, dry cleaned and <laughs> i think they're going to be Going to be ready for uh, we're we're back we're back at it tomorrow a full day of the legislature tomorrow House and Senate um, and uh, I think uh, it was a, it was a well needed break for everybody but we did get a lot of bills um, from the House over the Senate and I just saw the stack of Senate bills I think we had over two hundred Senate bills that got transmitted from the Senate over the House so there's going to be a, another busy forty five days. Any surprises in there or anything in there that you didn't realize before, but now that you had a few days to look over what all passed in the various chambers, anything that stood out to you? Sure, there is. Well, and to go off of, I just caught the end of uh, uh, what you got coming up tomorrow with the uh, uh, free speech there on campus, I believe you were talking about. Yeah. That was, yep, one bill that we had, Representative Lear at uh, Savage over in eastern Montana there had uh, a bill that uh, you can't discriminate on uh, uh, pronouns in schools. Um, that's a, a, a great bill, a great free speech bill that uh, passed the House and is over there in the Senate. Uh, a lot of a lot of bills like that uh, um, that that made it from the House. And honestly, I haven't had a chance to look over all 200 of the Senate bills that came over here yet. But a few of those that have. Um, uh, have been great too. Like we did, we did already pass the Senate Bill 121, which lowered the uh, statewide income tax down to 5.9 percent, and that's on the way to the governor's desk to be signed. Yeah. All right. Hold that thought. More to find at PierceRV.com. Pierce RV and Marine, Montana's premier RV dealer. Approved credit subject to prior sale. See dealer for details. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. Well, this this just shows you how great our producer Travis Lee is, hardworking ranch kid out of Forsyth, Montana. Uh, we we had a message that came in yesterday from Clayton in Bozeman, and uh, Clayton had this question that came in on our Montana Talks app: Any update on school choice and or vouchers for school choice? And I said, God, you know, we'll have to ask. Uh, we'd have to save that one for Thursday when the Speaker of the House is joining us on the show. And so, thankfully, our producer. Uh, reminded us of that message that came in yesterday. So let's start there as we chat with Speaker of the House Matt Regeer out of Kalispell. Yeah, Mr. Speaker, uh, any any thoughts on on school choice bills, where they stand, how many made it across that transmittal uh, halfway point? Sure. We had two different uh, school choice bills, one by Representative Anderson at Great Falls and one at uh, Majority Leader Vinton out of Billings. 
um, that would provide. And I, I believe they both can move forward. One, uh, um, Representative Anderson's is a little more um, allowing uh, a new uh, kind of public school district, so it would still be uh, one elected school board uh, within a school district. Um, so you have that competition, more of a public-to-public competition, where Representative Benton's is a little more private to public uh, competition. But both of those have passed the House and are heading over to the Senate. Uh, and I believe both of those would really give uh, a more leg up to the parents um, for choice for choice uh, uh, on where the uh, where their kids get to go. Along with that, Representative Majority Leader Benton had, uh, if you remember last session, uh, uh, Representative Bergley at a Joliet had a. Uh, a school uh, education voucher that you could use your tax uh, uh, tax dollars and as a tax credit and donate it. And uh, Majority Leader Vinton, it was, I believe, a $2 million cap from last time. And we've upped that. That was gone in, in just minutes. Um, all that money, um, the $2 million was gone last time quick. So we upped that to, I believe, $5 million, uh, this go around. So that's uh, really going to help out, too, with uh, um, a uh, funding funding of the school of, of choice for those tax credits. So multiple different uh, things moving forward there on the school choice and really just trying to move that needle back to the control of the parents uh, over their child's education. Yeah, uh, and by the way, our phones are open. If you have a quick question or comment for the speaker, you can call in uh, 406-294-0970. Uh, we've got the opportunity open for you right now. If you call in right now, he's with us for a few more minutes here. Uh, and then i got some messages uh, that I want to get to later on in uh, the second half of the show as well. Uh, one of our callers yesterday expressed concern about a parent's rights in education uh, bill in the state Senate side uh, that failed. Uh, but I, I'd imagine there are some parents' rights uh, uh, bills that are that are on the House side that are still moving forward as well. Uh, so, so what's your thoughts? Where do we stand when it comes to parents' rights in education? Uh, when it comes to that discussion, yeah, there's um, uh, there's a few here. I'm looking at uh, education transparency. Uh, we've had a few of those. Um, uh, parents' rights is really a lot of like uh, Representative uh, Bertolio here out of uh, Clancy, uh, uh, remote uh, instruction for out of state uh, or out of district students. Um, we had um, Representative Hastings has a bill for homeschoolers to enroll part time in, in classes. Um, let's see here. Uh, Carrie Crow had a, had a bill. She's a representative out of Billings that uh, ten day notice has to be given to parents before a sexuality instruction. Um, uh, Hastings again, Representative Hastings had one for uh, students or the schools have to adopt a grievance policy um, so that parents can uh, um, can hold the school boards accountable. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of bills along that line that really just move the needle back to the parents, allowing them to control um, and have an outlet uh, when things don't go uh, the way the parents want when the when the administration is trying to run over the run over the parents will you mentioned earlier house bill 2 the main budget bill for the state of montana 
Uh, where are the friction points right now? I mean, obviously you've got you know the three you know two plus billion dollar surplus, uh, so, so you would think that would make things easier. But I've also heard that can make things harder because then everybody thinks they've got all sorts of money for everything. But but at least one of the highlights we've seen so far is Governor Greg Gianforte has has been praising uh, what appears to be a record amount of support for public schools and for K through twelve education. Uh, it's pretty interesting because the Democrats always try to say that that Republicans are attacking uh, public schools just because they also support school choice. But, you know, here's here's the governor and and Republican lawmakers that delivered new incentives to help entry level teachers and and apparently a record level of support for K through 12 education. Yeah, and that's true. And I've I've said this before. I'll say it again. We're not here to support a system. We're here to support the child in education. I believe that's by and large, what the Republican uh, Party is is there for, and part of that is the uh, public school. Uh, the public school is a great fit for a lot of different kids uh, across the state. And uh, on, on that note, we have, uh, I believe, we passed the largest uh, uh, inflationary funding in uh, in history here in Montana of uh, funding uh, the public school system. So, if that uh, is the direction. And that fits best for for your child. That that public system is going to be there and, and well funded, and we want that system to succeed too, as well as home schools, as well as private schools or charter schools. Uh, we want all those systems to be the best, ultimately, uh, be able to um, uh, serve the kids of Montana. So we're here to serve the kids of Montana, not uh, a system. Yeah, no, that's that's very well said, especially when we've seen the the teachers union. Uh, like the MFPE has oftentimes, they've basically slapped their own teachers in the face and they've lobbied what they wanted to lobby for and they've even gone against the wishes of their own teachers. And, and it's because they're more concerned with promoting and protecting their own system than they are than they are what's best for the teachers and for the kids. All right, uh, let's see. Let's jump into the phone lines here. We've got a caller uh, with a quick question or comment here. Mark in Laurel, thanks for your call. Thank you. Um, Mr. Speaker, I kind of have a complaint. I'm, I'm very respectful, but I've, I'm a Montana born and raised on and off, and I'm 55 years old, and I've always worked in the oil field. I brought a lot, I've always paid Montana taxes, so I brought a lot of money back because I was a high income earner. Well, I developed Parkinson's disease and can't work, so I'm now homeless, and I've been trying to get help, and it's just impossible. I mean, the, the system is so skewed for you know, single mothers from out of state that us local guys can't get some help. I just need somewhere to live, you know, somewhere to live and I'll take care of it from there. But, um, yeah, interesting. I've heard that from, I've heard that same concern. We had a lady call in last week and she was saying, Hey, you know, there's, there's uh, those of us that are out here struggling. Our rent got jacked up, and and meanwhile, uh, there's all these people from out of state that are abusing these emergency rental assistance programs. Uh, Speaker Regeer, your thoughts, and and uh, Mark, thanks for the call. Yeah, Mark. Uh, yeah, appreciate the call very much. And the homeless one uh, issue is a tough one. I know right now that there's still a lot. We got a lot of the ARPA money. That's the um, American Rescue uh, COVID dollars, CARES one, CARES two dollars. A lot of that uh, they're still sitting in rental emergency uh, pots. So I'd, I'd uh, suggest look. Department uh, of Commerce, I believe, is is uh, in charge of administering those. 
so I know that there's still quite a bit of money out there for uh, rental assistance and, and people that uh, have been hit by whether it's COVID or um, uh, uh, just life in general. Uh, so there, there is, I know, still programs for that and still quite a bit of that, those COVID dollars. So I suggest to, to look into that. Yeah, and it does seem like, I don't know, based on the information I've been hearing from, like, city council members like Pam Purinton out of Billings, like, there, there needs to be some sort of aggressive audit done on that program and how those dollars are being used. Uh, and was it basically, you know, how do we ensure that Montanans are benefiting from, from it rather than people that are coming here, you know, out-of-state uh, transient homeless populations, et cetera? Uh, the, the big question I keep getting, too, is, okay, so the, the legislature delivered this over $1 billion in tax relief. How soon could we be getting those, uh, will they be rebate checks, uh, direct deposits into the bank accounts? How will it come and how soon could we get it? Yeah, that's a great question. I've actually got that from a few constituents too. And the uh, the income tax uh, refunds, those that overpaid, uh, are, are paid out uh, on the income tax part are going to be a lot easier since the Department of Revenue has all that uh, info. So I'd imagine that's going to be uh, done here in summer at, at some point. As far as the property tax uh, rebates and property tax relief checks, that will probably take a little more time. That's setting up a new program or new uh, self-attestation uh, and uh follow up on your primary residence. It's only for Montanans with primary residence uh, here in the state. So determining all those primary residents are going to take a little bit more time. I'm sure that'll probably be hopefully in the fall by the time those checks go out. Interesting. What else are you hearing from your constituents during this transmittal break? Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, the big thing is that budget surplus. Uh, wondering, uh, wondering what we're going to do with the, uh, with the rest of it. And to put a plug in for that, we've got another bill. Uh, so far, it's I know the governor said a billion dollars, and there is, I mean, you can back and forth with ongoing versus the surplus, but there's only $750 million going back in, in rebate checks. And we've got another bill coming through that's another $200 million. Maybe we can even find some more money and, and get the, get those checks higher. I'd like to see a $1,000 and a $1,000, so $2,000 back uh, per property tax. Well, and I know, I know Greg and Terry called in and echoes what a lot of our listeners have been saying, too. We keep hearing about how now it could be a $3 billion surplus. Uh, and so they keep saying, let's stop taxing Social Security benefits. Let's stop taxing military pensions. And that's one that constantly comes up. Uh, uh, Speaker Regeer, grateful for your time this morning. I know you got to jump back into committee action. So thanks for taking some time out with us here. Hey, thanks a bunch, Aaron. Thanks, Montana. All right. Uh, coming up after the break, phone lines are open for you. Anything and everything you want to talk about here at Montana Talks. Uh, speaker just uh, had to run back to committee uh, hearings, as you heard, with the dial tone there. We're going to pick up the phone in just a couple of minutes. Susan in Missoula, first up on the phone line. So, Susan, stand by. We'll get to you right after this. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. 
Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is where Montana talks ag with Lane Nordland. And one topic that many thought was put to bed for good a few years back is the waters of the U.S. rule. And the U.S. House of Representatives will likely pass a joint House-Senate resolution to repeal the Biden EPA's controversial waters of the U.S. rule. And one senator says Republicans may have the votes to pass it in the Senate. U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa says West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin and Montana Democrat John Tester could possibly vote for the legislation. Manchin's already on board to do it. And Tester's a farmer. He knows how this affects farming. I don't know how it affects Montana, probably a smaller percentage. But Tester knows how it affects farming when they, you got to deal with the uh, U.S. government on, on farming regulations. Agriculture, building, and other advocacy groups argue that the Biden-WOTUS rule that reversed the navigable waters protection rule introduced by President Trump will lead to more confusion, costs, and fines, even as the U.S. Supreme Court has a Waters of the U.S. case in front of them. Separately, attorneys general from 25 states are also threatening to sue the EPA. I think it's very, very strong. And Biden is flip-flopping on his position, and he should be held accountable. And so you just uh, take every avenue you can, and I applaud the attorney generals for doing that. That was Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, and I'm Lane Nordmund. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Wait, was that Chuck Grassley in Lane's report there? That was Chuck Grassley. Yeah, what's he doing? He's still operating a combine, so he's a senator and he's a farmer. Then there's this other guy, uh, what's his name, Mark Wayne Mullen, who's a farmer and a rancher and a senator. Uh, that's, that's funny because there's this other guy uh, who pretends to be a moderate, and, and he also keeps telling everybody that he's the only farmer in the Senate. Uh, it's kind of, well, it's funny. We just heard from Chuck Grassley. There's this Mark Wayne Mullen guy. Uh, so apparently you're not the only Joe Dirt out there. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, lots to talk about this morning here on Montana Talks. On a serious front, uh, did you see or hear the testimony of this U.S. Marine Corps sergeant, Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews? He was wounded, uh, severely wounded, uh, in th- that suicide bombing attack. Uh, that took the lives of 13 Americans during the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, you know, I, uh, pardon my my French acronym here, but the only response I, could, I I had after hearing his full testimony was whiskey tango foxtrot. The U.S. military snipers had the suicide bomber's description. They had the suicide bomber in their sights. And they were not granted permission to engage and stop the suicide bomber in his tracks. And dozens of Afghans died and over a dozen heroic Americans died that day as well. Absolutely outrageous. If you haven't seen the story from the Washington Free Beacon, Kevin Cork with Fox News uh, also has some of the coverage 
uh, following uh, yesterday's hearing where Republicans are uh, upholding their promise to hold the Biden administration accountable for that botched withdrawal. That reckoning began with the House Foreign Affairs panel's very first oversight hearing on what happened leading up to and after the U.S. departure from that war-torn country. A hearing punctuated by emotional and graphic testimony from a Marine injured in the bombing at the Abbey Gate at Hamid Karzai International. My abdomen had been ripped open, every inch of my exposed body, except for my face, took ball bearings and shrapnel. I tried to get up but could not. Congressional lawmakers spoke with one voice in heralding Vargas Andrews. Democrat ranking member Gregory Meeks saying, my prayers, my soul reaches out to you. All right. But you know who didn't reach out to him? The FBI. The FBI, he he, uh, included in his testimony yesterday, the FBI didn't even want to hear his post-blast report because his post-blast report included the facts and the timeline that we had the suicide bomber in our sights and we were not allowed to take him out. Absolutely uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, All right, let's get into the phone lines. Susan in Missoula, uh, thanks for calling in. I know uh, probably following up on our conversation with the speaker, so I appreciate it. What's on your mind this morning? Well, I want to congratulate the supermajority for working on tax reduction, and I I really agree that we should give money back to the property owners that have been paying into it, but I'm going to say it with a caveat, but... I think it should be prorated based on how much taxpayers have actually paid in. I don't think somebody that paid a little amount of property tax should get the same amount as somebody that paid a lot of property tax. And I know that computers can calculate how much people paid and what the percentage is that they paid. So if they're giving money back, which I agree with, I think there should be, it shouldn't be across the board $500 to everybody or $1,000 to everybody. It should be prorated based on the volume. Uh, for instance, if you live in Stillwater County, you're not paying the taxes that people in Bozeman or Missoula are paying. And I know myself, my taxes went up unbelievably in one year. And I would like to see more taxes coming back, refunded to the people that are in the hardest hit increases in taxes. Yeah, especially in Missoula with that liberal city council and that liberal county commission. You you guys are just getting hammered in Missoula. Well, Bozeman... Bozeman, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bozeman is getting hammered. Um, Everybody. Everybody, really. I went to a meeting last night of a new subdivision that's going to have 240 new single-dwelling homes, which, by the way, will not be affordable. They're going to be a minimum of $900,000 each that are going to be on the Miller Creek drainage, which will stress our water supply. It'll stress our police. It'll stress our schools and our hospitals. And I am in favor of development if the developers are going to pay for it through the what they charge the new residents. But, the, you know, the taxes are just unbelievable. Yeah. And we need, 
I, and I have been talking to Reaganier, and I've been talking to other Republicans constantly during this session, and they're not listening. And I do agree with a previous caller. We should not be taxing people that are on Social Security. Uh, we're one of the few states that taxes the military and taxes the retired. Yeah, it doesn't make any their- sense. And the Republicans have oh, passed this before. They've they've passed uh, 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 bills to to do away with taxing Social Security. Uh, I don't believe they did on the military pensions yet, but we, we've passed the bill to to stop taxing Social Security. We'll do it again. Uh, you know, uh, if you would do it when there was a Democrat governor, do it when there's a Republican governor. Let's you know, let's hold let's hold people accountable on 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 both sides of the aisle. Susan, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. We got a number of callers on the line uh, to get to here uh, this morning as well and i want to share some messages that we've gotten from our listeners about uh this marine's testimony yesterday talking about the disastrous withdrawal from afghanistan first back into the phone lines we go darren in helena great to hear from you what's on your mind hey aaron yeah thanks so much uh, i guess two things now first of all thank you for uh, putting uh, up the topic of sergeant andrew's testimony as you know, uh, I was heavily involved in the withdrawal process out of Afghanistan from, you know, in, a, in a number of ways. And so I could talk for hours about how all that went wrong. But uh, I'd also like to emphasize the uh, Lincoln Reagan Day dinner here in Helena for Lewis and Clark County on March 16th at 5.30 p.m. at our Civic Center. And we'll be bringing in uh, Tanya Shelnett from Alliance Defending Freedom as our primary speaker but also joined by Lieutenant Governor Juris and Congressman Rosendale with, uh, you know, dinner, live and silent auctions, photo booths, a lot of the usual things. And then Senator Kenneth Bogner will be our master of ceremonies. That's and great. If people want to find that, they can go to lccrepublicans.com and hit our events link. Get all the information there. And that's coming up next week or yeah coming up next week and we're, we're pretty excited about it tanya shelnut's gonna be awesome i've been a big fan of tanya shelnut's for a long time a lot of people might remember her she's from montana originally now she plays a big role nationally with alliance defending freedom she was with concerned women for america before that uh my, my wife now works with her at alliance defending freedom and so but but i've been a fan of tanya shelnut's even before uh, getting to know her more through her new new role and tell you what she is going to be absolutely uh, a remarkable speaker for that lincoln reagan dinner and and, and, and all the big issues of the day that we've been talking about here. Yeah, we're, we're excited about it. Uh, Donnie and I had a very, very good conversation, and uh, I think it's going to be, be eye-opening to a lot of people to hear about what all they're doing. Uh, there's a lot of things on the legal front going on right now, and I, and I love standing alongside the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom and, and, and other legal organizations with my organization and doing everything we can to fight for liberty. Yeah. Well, well, thanks, for, thanks for keeping up the fight. I know you served overseas for freedom. Free info kit on gold. Broadcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios. Trusted by the Northwest. Montana owned. Online at grizzlygoldandsilver.com. Great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River. This is Montana Talks 
with Karen Flint. Yeah, I've got a few message, messages here that have come in uh, regarding that powerful testimony of the U.S. Marine Corps Sergeant who testified yesterday that we had the suicide bomber in our sights and they wouldn't let him take the shot. And 13 Americans uh, were killed by that suicide bomber. Nick in Connor, Montana, says this, Unbelievable. The same liberals and rhinos responsible for the deaths of our servicemen during that withdrawal are trying to push us into war with Russia. There was a time uh, not all that long ago that if our congressmen and senators... uh, Uh, Wanted war, they would go to war with our troops. God bless our troops, Nick says. I am sad and pissed. Tim in Billings uh, had this to say in reaction to it. The testimony is very reminiscent of the Benghazi debacle. Our government needs to trust the people on the ground and their expertise. The absolute failure to acknowledge and act called squarely on leadership soldiers uh, on leadership's shoulders in anyone who allows our military members to be murdered in that fashion or in the fashion of what happened in Benghazi needs to be held accountable. Uh, that was from Tim in Billings. Uh, I'll tell you what uh, Evan and Belt had to say here, but first let's go to Jason and Polson on the phone lines. Uh, Jason, what's on your mind this morning? Hey, good morning, Aaron. I wanted to share some information that I came across uh, while listening to a podcast from uh, Charlie Kirk. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know him. He's he's great. He covers all kinds of stuff, and he does kind of use a Christian-based, uh, you know, message in his his uh, podcast, which I, I believe that that's, you know, a lot of the reason why we have all these issues in this country is we're getting, you know, turning away from, from Christ. So, anyway, um, he... He was interviewing a Dr. Richard Fleming, and Dr. Richard Fleming has created a website, and it's called 10letters.org, with the number 10 at the beginning. And what that's for is it's a way for us to write a letter. It's a pre-written letter by Dr. Fleming that fills out all of the information with links and, you know, necessary with names uh, of those people that were uh, responsible for this uh, coronavirus the uh, pandemic and and how they were involved and and what charges need to be brought forth uh, for them. So you can go to the website. You it, it's a pre-written letter. You just fill in your information and then you you print it out and you mail that to your state's attorneys general and your state's governor, uh, asking them to convey a grand jury to investigate these people for crimes against humanity. Yeah, isn't it amazing that nobody was has has been held accountable for what they did, Doctor Fauci and the rest of them for what they did and what they covered up when it comes to COVID nineteen? It, it's so reminiscent of this disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, who was held accountable there? I had a tweet from one of our listeners. Yeah, the the only uh, U.S. Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel that we heard uh, that ever got fired was was the guy who stood up, uh, who was angered by this disastrous withdrawal, Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller. And he got kicked to the curb because he he stood up and said, we have got to do the right thing. But he's the one, not the people responsible for this disastrous withdrawal. He's the one who gets kicked to the curb. All right, thanks. uh, thanks uh, for the call there, Jason. Great to hear from you. I know we're getting short on time, so uh, so we'll keep going uh, with the, with phone calls here. Oh, uh, I, we were talking about the uh, emergency rental assistance program. 
homeless populations and the program being abused. Uh, good surprise phone call here from Billing City Council member Pam Purinton. Pam, I know we're short on time, but what do you want to tell folks? Thanks for the call. No, you're welcome. Uh, so we had a meeting last night with our legislators, City Council Legislative Subcommittee, and Representative Mike Yakowicz was there. And he has presented a bill, uh, House Bill 523, where it is reallocating. They've, they've pulled back some of that MIRA money because it was not used properly, so they've had paybacks on it. They've collected quite a bit more. And I guess what they're going to do is to redistribute those, but it will be with the really good sideboards on it. So there may be some help available. Um, last time I talked with housing is that they had just, they had all these applications, but they had no money. So hopefully there will be a little bit of assistance, but uh, thank goodness the legislature picked that up, and thank you to Representative Yakowicz for carrying that. Well, thank you to you for, for calling out the abuses that were taking place, because, yeah, it sounds like the bottom line is the legislature has recognized that there was an abuse of those emergency rental assistance COVID-era funds, and out-of-state folks were taking advantage of it, and Montanans weren't able to, and so uh, they're still trying to provide some assistance, but they're trying to clean it up in the meantime. Is that a good summary? Absolutely. Thanks, Aaron. No, thank you. That was great. I really appreciate the phone call. I'm glad you were listening because you were one of the first uh, folks I was thinking of because you've been uh, highlighting that uh, important topic uh, for quite some time now. All right. uh, We are uh, quickly running out of time, but I want to share this message from Evan in Belt. He said this uh, regarding the testimony from yesterday. I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing the day the Kabul bombing took place. Then as now... There were plenty of Whiskey Tango Foxtrots. Not only did we lose 13 great Americans and wounded many more, it's pretty pathetic when we could have taken out the target. And because of a lack of leadership, all the way to the top, here we are. As in the Afghanistan debacle to the spy balloon, we cannot be afraid to take the damn shot. And then he adds towards the end, the only ones to blame are this absolutely worthless administration, and all who support it. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. That was from Evan in Belt. More time for your calls tomorrow on Montana.